Welcome to the Daily News in Brief podcast. Today is the 5th of November and this week's main stories are Votes continue to be counted in states that will determine the outcome of the US presidential election. Indications are that Joe Biden is on course to beat Donald Trump and win a four-year term in the White House. As of midday today, Associated Press reports that Biden has 264 electoral college votes to Trump's 214. A candidate must win at least 270 of the country's 538 electoral college votes to secure the presidency. Biden has been declared the winner in the battleground states of Michigan and Wisconsin, but Trump has called for a recount in the latter. If the result is not overturned, the president would need to win all of the five remaining states still to be called. These are Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Nevada and Alaska. While Alaska will undoubtedly stay Republican, the results in Nevada, North Carolina, Georgia and Pennsylvania are set to be a lot closer. In a brief speech in Wilmington, Delaware on Wednesday afternoon, Biden appeared confident. He said, when the count is finished, we believe we will be the winners. However, that counting could still take some time, with overall turnout projected to be the highest for more than a century at 66.9%. Biden is set to win at least 72.1 million votes overall, the highest figure for any presidential candidate in history. Trump has attracted 68.6 million votes, 4 million more than he won in 2016. Now faced with a narrowing path to victory, the Trump campaign has launched legal bids to stop the counts in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia and Michigan, with the president himself tweeting complaints about mail-in voting. In states such as Pennsylvania, the mail-in votes are believed to favour Biden. Trump wants rules to be changed, so ballots that arrived late but were postmarked by Election Day are discounted. Across the US, there has been a surge in absentee ballots because of the coronavirus pandemic. Cities in some battleground states have seen protests along party lines. In Phoenix, Arizona, Trump supporters, some armed, gathered outside an election center where counting was taking place. Earlier in Detroit, Michigan, supporters of the president had crowded around a ballot counting site. There were also scattered protests in other cities around the country, with arrests made in New York, Los Angeles and Portland, but no significant violence has been reported. Alongside the presidential election, the US has been voting for senators and members of the House of Representatives. As with the Trump-Biden contest, there are many votes still to be counted, and the final outcome for both houses may not be known for some time. The Republicans, who held a 53-47 to advantage in the 100-seat Senate, look well-placed to retain a majority, which would make it much harder for a possible Biden administration to pass legislation on contentious issues such as health care and climate change. In the House of Representatives, Democrats are set to hold on to their majority, despite some losses. NHS England Chief Executive Sir Simon Stevens has told BBC Radio 4's Today programme that we've got 22 hospitals worth of coronavirus patients across England. Although there was a very substantial increase in coronavirus admissions in October, Stevens said the lockdown that began today would ensure routine treatment at hospitals could continue. We began early September with under 500 coronavirus patients in hospitals, he said. By the beginning of October, that had become 2,000. As of today, that is just under 11,000. However, he stressed that the lockdown should mean that we will not need to embark on a national deferral of routine operations across the country. The four-week lockdown came into force on Thursday after MPs approved it by 516 votes to 38 on Wednesday. Also on Wednesday, the government reported another 492 coronavirus-related deaths in the previous 24 hours, with 25,177 new positive cases. Urging MPs to approve the lockdown in Parliament on Wednesday, Health Secretary Matt Hancock said the national measures were necessary to save countless lives and thwart the deadly march of COVID-19. 
In UK news, scientist and government advisor Sir John Bell believes the 15-minute coronavirus tests that roll out in Liverpool this week could open the door to a much more routine way of life. Bell, a professor of medicine at Oxford University, said they could reduce the number of people needing to self-isolate while also helping public health officials control the spread of COVID-19 by identifying asymptomatic spreaders. He told the BBC, these need to be seen as tests that promote enablement rather than restrictions. What we hope ultimately you'll be able to do is avoid the quarantine of contacts that has caused so much trouble. In a pilot scheme beginning this week, everyone in Liverpool will be offered repeated tests at new centres set up and run by military personnel. If it's successful, a mass screening programme could be rolled out nationwide before the end of this year. Judge Mr Justice Nicholl has found the Sun newspaper article that called Johnny Depp a wife-beater to be substantially true. Presiding over the Hollywood actor's libel case against the paper's executive editor Dan Wooten and its publisher at the Royal Courts of Justice in July, the judge concluded that 12 of the 14 alleged incidents of domestic violence had occurred. Depp's lawyers have called the findings as perverse as it is bewildering, adding, the judgment is so flawed that it would be ridiculous for Mr Depp not to appeal this decision. A Sun spokesperson said, Domestic abuse victims must never be silenced, and we thank the judge for his careful consideration and thank Amber Heard for her courage in giving evidence to the court. PR expert Mark Borowski said the ruling had put an indelible stain on Depp's reputation. A Tory MP has called the Law Commission's proposal to extend hate speech laws into private homes completely crazy. Speaking to the Times this week, Tim Loughton said, There is a place to clamp down on hate crime, but within a family home, it's up to individuals to regulate how they converse. It's a completely crazy incursion on people's civil liberties, but also entirely unenforceable. The Law Commission has suggested that removing the dwelling exemption from legislation covering stirring up offences would help clarify the law. Critics say the proposed move would criminalise dinner table conversations in which casual comments were made about other nationalities or groups such as transgender people. Wales football manager Ryan Giggs was arrested on suspicion of assaulting his girlfriend over the weekend. According to his representatives, the ex-Manchester United player has denied the allegations and is cooperating with police. The Greater Manchester Force went to his property in Salford on Sunday night after reports of a disturbance. It said a 46-year-old man was arrested on suspicion of Section 47 assault and the Section 39 common assault and bailed pending further inquiries. It also advised that a woman in her 30s had sustained minor injuries but did not require any treatment. The Football Association of Wales cancelled a press conference on Tuesday at which Giggs was due to announce the players he'd chosen for upcoming matches. The Supreme Court has said it could use positive discrimination to decide its next appointment. Lady Black of Dewent, one of only two women among the 12 judges currently on the bench of the UK's highest court, is due to retire in January. Revealing details of the process for replacing her, officials said the court particularly encourages applications from those who would increase the diversity of the court. Additionally, where two candidates are deemed to be of equal merit, the Commission may give preference to one candidate over the other for the purpose of increasing diversity. Last month, Supreme Court President Lord Reid said the lack of diversity at senior levels of the legal system was a situation that will become shameful if it persists indefinitely. 26% of High Court judges are female while only 4% of the senior judiciary is black, Asian or minority ethnic. The Mayor of London is to move his headquarters to Newham at the end of next year. A spokesperson for Sadiq Khan said that transferring the Mayor's office and the Greater London Authority to the Crystal Building in Newham's Royal Docks would save more than £60 million over five years. 
The mayor's current home on the south bank of the Thames, close to Tower Bridge, is rented at a cost of more than £11 million a year. City Hall was built by Sir Norman Foster and opened by the Queen in 2002. Last year, the Greater London Authority bought the crystal from electronics firm Siemens, which built it in 2012. It's located close to the city's Cross River cable car and a Crossrail station that is not due to open until 2022, but its capacity is smaller than City Hall's, so some staff will instead move to a site in Southwark. Jeremy Corbyn has been suspended by the Labour Party following a damning report from the Equality and Human Rights Commission. The Commission's report, which was published last Thursday, investigated the handling of anti-Semitism complaints within the Labour Party during Corbyn's time as leader. It found the party responsible for unlawful acts of harassment and discrimination, citing serious failings among the leadership in addressing anti-Semitism and in the handling of anti-Semitism complaints. However, in a statement following the report's publication, Corbyn said he did not accept the EHRC's findings and claimed the scale of the problem had been dramatically overstated for political reasons. Labour said Corbyn's comments had triggered his suspension from the party pending an investigation. He has also had the party whip withdrawn. A cross-party group of MPs and peers have filed a legal case against Boris Johnson, accusing him of failing to investigate Russian interference in UK elections. The move follows a report from Parliament's Intelligence and Security Committee in July, which found the government had failed to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 Brexit vote and urged Number 10 to carry out a full inquiry. The Prime Minister rejected the committee's request, arguing there was no evidence of successful disruption by the Kremlin. Six peers and MPs, including Lord Peter Ricketts, the government's first national security adviser, are now seeking a judicial review into the Prime Minister's decision, arguing that the government has failed to protect the right of free and fair elections. In business news, two major British employers have announced plans to axe hundreds of jobs. John Lewis Partnership, which also owns Waitrose, is preparing to make 1,500 staff redundant at its head office in London and Bracknell. It hopes the move will help save it £50 million and contribute to a wider plan to save £300 million by 2022. The first cuts will be made immediately with the second phase to be completed by April next year. Meanwhile, the Lloyds Banking Group is to shed 730 staff in a move the Unite Union has called shameful. Lloyd's recently posted strong quarterly profits thanks to a surge in demand for mortgages, but will continue with its restructuring programme, the latest stage of which will see staff mainly at its group transformation and retail banking teams lose their jobs. Lloyd's had already announced in September that another 865 jobs would go in its insurance, wealth and retail departments. Marks & Spencer has blamed coronavirus for its first loss since it became a public company in 1926. It lost £88 million in the half year to the 26th of September. In the same period of 2019, it posted profits of £159 million. Sales fell almost 16%, driven by sharp declines in its clothing and home departments. It reported strong growth, however, for its Ocado retail joint venture that launched at the beginning of September. The retailer said it would now press ahead with a transformation strategy that saw it announce 7,000 job losses across stores and management in the summer. Chief Executive Steve Rowe told journalists the business was in a much better position for the key Christmas trading period. Primark has lost £2 billion in sales due to COVID-19, according to its owner. Reporting the high street retailer's full-year results, Associated British Foods said the pandemic had reduced profits by £650 million. 
Although sales of pyjamas, leisure wear and children's clothing had risen since March, this was far from enough to offset the overall negative impact of coronavirus. Primark's UK stores were shut from March until mid-June. Since reopening, they have recorded a 12% drop in like-for-like sales compared to 2019. The business nevertheless confirmed it had no plans to offer a click-and-collect service for the duration of the lockdown. A Primark spokesperson said, Although we will look at alternative business models from time to time, there are no immediate plans to trade online. Ryanair will not offer refunds to customers who had booked flights this month. The government has banned all non-essential travel, but the budget carrier will not give passengers their money back if their flight still operates. Instead, if tickets were booked after the 10th of June, Ryanair will waive its usual fees and allow customers to change to a later flight for free. The airline has reported an 80% drop in passenger numbers since March's lockdown. Just over 17 million people travelled with Ryanair in the half year to September, compared to almost 86 million in the same months of 2019. As a result, it posted a £174 million loss for the period, compared with a profit of more than £900 million in 2019. Elsewhere in the world. Austrian Interior Minister Karl Niehammer has said the terrorist who killed four people in Vienna on Monday night deceived handlers in order to secure his early release from jail last year. Kurtim Fuzilai has been imprisoned for trying to join Islamic State in Syria, but was let out early after attending a de-radicalization course. The 20-year-old was shot dead by police after arming himself with an assault rifle, pistol and machete for a rampage that injured 22 people and is Austria's worst terror attack for 35 years. Austrian Chancellor Sebastian Kurz has warned of copycat killings and said authorities were looking into a possible connection to recent Islamist attacks in France. South Korean intelligence services have said North Korea is building two submarines, one of which will be capable of firing ballistic missiles. Thanks to spy satellites and its own public announcements, North Korea is known to have been working for several years to mount its ballistic missiles and possibly nuclear warheads on submarines. If the Hermit State gains the ability to fire from a submarine, it would have the potential to launch surprise missile attacks or fight back against an incoming nuclear attack that destroyed its ground-based arsenal. South Korean officials also dampened speculation about North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's health, saying he was obese but had few other physical issues. In the southern Atlantic Ocean, the world's biggest iceberg is on a collision course with the British Overseas Territory of South Georgia. Known as A68A, the iceberg is around the same size as the island and has the potential to wreak havoc on its population of seals and penguins. Ecosystems can and will bounce back, of course, but there's a danger here that if this iceberg gets stuck, it could be there for 10 years, said Professor Geraint Tarling from the British Antarctic Survey. The government has called Iran's decision to bring a new case against British Iranian aid worker Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe appalling. Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab said the Iranian authorities have put an intolerable burden on Nazanin and her family. I'm relieved she remains on temporary release, but she needs to be returned home to her family. We continue to make this clear in the strongest terms. Zaghari Ratcliffe was arrested in Iran in 2016 and has served four and a half years of a five-year sentence for plotting to overthrow the Iranian establishment, a charge she denies. In March, she was temporarily released as COVID-19 spread through Iran's prisons, but she remains under house arrest and is banned from leaving the country. This week, she appeared in court to hear new charges of undermining the Iranian state. The hearing was adjourned and Zaghari Ratcliffe returned to her parents' home in Tehran. And in lighter news, 
The polar ship, popularly known as Boaty McBoatface, set off from Liverpool for the open seas for the first time on Tuesday. Officially known as the Sir David Attenborough, the £200 million research vessel operated by the British Antarctic Survey is better known as Boaty McBoatface after the name won a public poll in 2016. The ship is undergoing sea trials this week before heading for Wales next week. From there, it is expected to head to the Arctic for ice trials early next year before making the journey to Antarctica later in 2021. The video Baby Shark has been watched on YouTube 7.04 billion times. The children's rhyme recorded by South Korean company Pinkfong has just become the platform's most viewed video ever, surpassing the old record holder Despacito by Louis Fonsi. Pinkfong is likely to have made around £4 million from the streams, which if played back-to-back would last for more than 30,000 years. In third place in the all-time list, Ed Sheeran's Shape of You has 5 billion views. In Rotterdam, a tram that overshot the Dutch city's elevated railway avoided falling 10 metres to the ground when it came to rest on top of a statue of a whale's tail. No passengers were on board the vehicle at the time, and its conductor was unharmed. There were calls on social media for the tram to be left as a permanent addition to the artwork, but authorities deemed it unsafe and engineers are exploring ways to remove it. And finally, three-month-old Fubao is the first panda ever born in South Korea. Zookeepers introduced her to children at her home in the Everland theme park this week. 50,000 people took part in a poll to choose her name, which means lucky treasure. Her parents arrived in South Korea from China in 2016. And Fubao is expected to return to China in a few years' time. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.